Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a Sunday special edition of A Vision for You Big Book Study. Today is Sunday, May 20th, 2018. My name is Melanie C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater calling in from Oregon. The share ID numbers for Friday, May 18th, 2018, are the following. The 7 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study is 11429, 11,429. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study meeting, that's 11,435, 11,435. This morning, A Vision for You presents The Age of Miracles Are Still With Us, A Progression of Recovery Through the Big Book. The word miracle and its plural form miracles and includes miraculous appear in the big book a combination of 16 times and because of this we have found the word to mean promise and hope. We can look pretty rough when we come into these rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, some of us, so rough that we despair of anything ever being big enough or strong enough to affect any sort of difference in this condition. It's going to take a monster-sized marvel, you might think. Little did we know that the moment a decision was made to consider the tiniest of possibilities, miracles were already coming our way. It may sound something like this. Wow, I'm ready to go. I really have taken all that I can take, and I'm going to do this thing. I will do whatever anybody asks me to do. Or it might sound something like this. This will never work. I cannot do what you're asking me to do, and I know what's best for me. I can figure this thing out. Just help me do this one thing. Back of each one of these is a miracle, and a seed has been planted. Believe it or not, believe it or not, just ask another fellow if some form of that kind of phenomenal kind of language was similar to their experience. And what you might have missed in all the clamor is the whisper. This may just work for a person like me. Move a muscle and you'll find a miracle. Walk out, miss the next chapter, or stay to receive the promise of a bona fide phenomenon. The miracle one is in place. Well, then in comes the subtitle, A Progression of Recovery Through the Big Book, which describes the way we go about being opened to receive the miracles promised. And it is a process. It truly is a process. Through the melting of our hearts, one step at a time, defeat is soon replaced by evidence, a modern-day miracle. No other explanation will do. Change, real change, is a miracle. Today, we have the privilege of hearing how one fellow walked along this path of progression through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, utilizing page after page of directions, discovering for herself that her life had been transformed and continues to be so. Now that, she claims, is nothing less than miracles still with us. Our guest speaker today is a recovered compulsive overeater from the beautiful state of South Carolina. She is truly dedicated to utilizing the directions for recovery found in the big book and passing on to others this same promise. And today, she will be doing this for us. Please help me welcome to the line this morning, Lisa B. Good morning, Lisa B. Good morning, Melanie. Can you hear me okay? I can. Oh, great. Thank you. Thank you so much for your service. 
My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and thank you all for that are there um, to hear me share my my well the miracle that my higher power has brought me as a result of this wonderful book, the big book. Um, I had no idea that all of the solutions and answers that I needed were here in this book. And the name of the talk today is taken from page 153 out of the chapter, A Vision for You. The age of miracles is still with us. Our own recovery proves that. And I, I truly did not believe it was possible to recover from this illness of compulsive overeating. And, you know, today I know that food is really, it's not about the food. You know, it talks about in We Agnostics, um, setting aside the food problem, setting aside the alcohol problem, it gives us a description of what it is to be unrecovered, and it's on page 52. So take aside, you know, let the food be set aside. You know, and I am a compulsive overeater, and I'm also very, very much of a restrictor. So being undernourished, malnourished for many, many years is a big part of my story. And one of the things that I would do is, you know, be underweight, very, very underweight, And then I would go on a rampage of binging uncontrollably at times, not being able to stop. I actually had to have my mother come to my apartment and physically remove me because I could not stop that hand-to-mouth action. And, of course, you know, there's not the enjoyment of the food when that's going on. I mean, I'm eating burnt things. I'm eating things off the floor. I'm eating things that are not cooked. You know, there's no taste there. But So I'm going to read the bedevilments. But before I do that, I wanted to read a promise that is so important um, to staying recovered. And it's from page 124. Showing others who suffer how we were given help is the very thing which makes life seem so worthwhile to us now. Cling to the thought that in God's hands, the dark past is the greatest possession you have, the key to life and happiness for others. With it, you can avert death and misery for them. What a gift, what a gift to be able to carry that, you know, because someone did that for me. You all do that for me every day. So the bedevilment, this is, you know, what I suffered with, abstinent, white-knuckle abstinent, and this is what I've suffered with, I believe, since a very, very young age. I heard one of my favorite AA speakers, and I'm also in AA, um, say that he was a freeze-dried alcoholic, you know, just born and ready and raiding. And, you know, I was that way with alcohol, and I've been definitely that way with food. And this is, this is what went on for me, you know, day in and day out. We had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to our human problems the same readiness to change our point of view. We were having trouble with personal relationships. We couldn't control our emotional natures. We were a prey to misery and depression. We couldn't make a living. We had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. We couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. Was not a basic solution of these bedevilments more important than whether we should see news real, well, you know, lunar flight, it goes into the lunar flight thing. But the bedevilments, oh my gosh, that describes me to a T. That's just me. That's totally me. So I want to, you know, take us back to where I was right before a vision for you. Um, I I did share all of my story about, you know, what it was like growing up and another um, special edition. So I want to start with where I was right before my life changed. My life changed the minute I found out about A Vision for You. I was 15 pounds underweight. I had just had open heart surgery. 
um, a birth defect that was uncovered a few years before that that really um, messed me up big time. And the doctors were so worried about me before the surgery because I was so underweight. And, you know, here I am, an untreated compulsive overeater, an untreated alcoholic, dry in the alcohol, not dry in the food. You know, I surrendered through God's grace sugar about three years, two or three years before I came to a vision for you. But I was so untreated, so untreated. People were walking on eggshells around me. I was convinced that my husband was the problem, that my life was the problem, that everything else was the problem. I had no idea that that is all untreated compulsive overeating, just like the bedevilments. As a spiritual malady, I desperately needed a psychic change that they talk about in this book. I desperately needed that. So I was 15, under, 15 pounds underweight. The doctors were upset because I was not healing properly from this um, open heart surgery. I was standing in an AA meeting, and um, a dear fellow traveler was there who had just started a food meeting, not OA, but a different fellowship. And I know her from the AA meeting, and I said, I'm here for the AA meeting. And she said, well, you know, we're going to be starting the, the food meeting. And here's me, the level of my denial. I said, oh, I used to have a problem with that. I don't anymore. Because, you know, 30 years ago, I went into a treatment center for compulsive overeating. And I learned a little bit about this uh, malady. And I learned about a food plan. And I got abstinence for five years, white knuckle abstinence. And it's, it's just strange what happened. You know, I don't know why it happened this way, but it's just God's good grace. My binging, when I came out of that treatment center and when I lost my abstinence after five years of white-knuckle abstinence, it's like it furrowed into a deeper level. And it didn't appear on the outside as bad as it had been right before I went to that treatment center. It, it just didn't go to that place. Um, but it, it's like the bedevilments became worse. My character defects, the spiritual malady in me was just so massive. So the unmanageability showed in the way I treated, the way I looked, every, my attitudes, the way I looked at life. But the binging was not there. But it was waiting. It was waiting. And I would do sprees in other ways, you know, compulsive shopping, um, serial relationships, thinking that if I just get the right man to love me in the right way, I'll be okay. Um, compulsive exercise, for sure, big time with that. And... Uh, Anyways, just walking around this untreated time bomb, and I married, thought my problems were answered. So flash forward, you know, um, here I am standing bone dry from AA and definitely not any kind of recovery in the food plan program area. And she says, we'll stay for the meeting. And what did she do as a wonderful service? She started playing some special editions from A Vision for You as part of the meeting. And I listened to Harlan G., share. And I listened to some other talks. Well, my mind immediately went to his story because, you know, he had 500 pounds or 700 pounds that he needed to lose. So, you know, I wanted to identify how I'm different. See, what happened for me is something got stirred and it was like, oh, no, no, no. We want to hold on to this sickness and insanity because I really believe that the goal of this illness is to snuff me out rather than be a beacon of light and carry a message. You know, it wants to snuff me out. So I kept identifying out how I'm so different from him. And she said to me, I think you'd really enjoy a vision for your meetings. 
Well, right when she said that, the hair on the back of my neck stood up. And it said to me, this voice inside of me that's been there all along, that has guided me at different points in my life, if you don't get on that phone meeting, you're going to go to the depths of the ocean that you've never been to, and you won't even recognize this, this, uh, this food addiction, this compulsive overeating. I knew to the bone that my binge would be like uh, nothing I've ever seen, you know. So... Um, I was very underweight, and the rationale in my mind is because the doctors are saying, you know, Lisa, your body needs to heal. You need to get some some meat on you. So I go, I'll just make my two dozen cookies, you know, on the weekend, which was my favorite thing to do. But I had been off of sugar for two years because I knew that was just making me really sick. But some some turmoil was going on. Well, I got on the meeting, the phone meeting, first time I ever did a phone meeting ever, to a vision for you. And this was my second experience of OA. I went to an OA meeting 30 years before that and um, my, where my binging was uncontrollable and my drinking was uncontrollable. But I knew that food was just insane. And I did not like that OA meeting. Um, I was thin because of being a compulsive exerciser and a restrictor and binger. And my interpretation was they looked at me like, what are you doing here? And I didn't hear any recovery. Well, at that time, I was going into churches on the weekends and praying for some help, praying for some help because I knew I was on this sinking ship with the alcohol and certainly with the food. Well, my brother asked me to go to an AA meeting with him, and that's where things really began to take shape. It's like my higher power answered my prayer. So I was going to AA. I got a white chip, and I've been sober through God's grace 31 years. But I never really experienced any kind of recovered state because I had always been in the food. So flash forward back to now, um, I got on this Vision for You meeting, and I thought, this is better than really strong recovered meetings that I've been to in AA. And I heard the message of depth and weight that I have been yearning for my whole life, my whole life. I knew it wasn't really about the food and the alcohol. I knew there was some sort of a hole inside of me that I could hear and feel that wind blow through me. I was desperate to get recovered. So I introduced myself and I got about 21 calls. I introduced myself as a newcomer and I was really overwhelmed with the calls, but something in me kept saying, keep going forward, keep going forward, take hold of this. And I was drawn in by all of you. I, I it was uh, just, I couldn't stop this, something that happened inside of me. Well, one of the people that called me to welcome me, I really was drawn to her. She doesn't live in my state. It's the first time I ever had a sponsor work with me on the phone. I've never met her. But I could hear a peace and a serenity and a confidence. And she just talked about how she was with the food. She rarely said you, 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 you. You know, she just talked about her. Some of the other calls, I appreciated their service that they were doing, but they were intimidating and came on in a way that almost sounded kind of like my controlling mother. And I was just like, I do not want that. And this person never did that. She never did that. And I said, I am really overwhelmed with all these calls. Can I call you back? And she said, you call me whenever you want. And I love that she said that. I immediately went in and laid down 
And uh, I called her that evening. I texted her and I said, do you have time? And she took my call and we talked and I shared with her what I felt with that meeting and what was going on. And then I thought maybe I was better because I had put the sugar down. And she just went back to talking about her experience. And I could tell she was smart. She had a good career. She was married. And I thought, you know, if she can do this, maybe I can do this. And I asked her if she could work with me. And she said, I always pray before I take on a sponsee. And I just need to think about it. And she said, but really right now I don't have the time, but I'll still pray about it. And I would encourage you to just keep asking others. And I, I did ask two or three others. They weren't available, or one of them was, but after I started talking with her, I said, no, no, I just don't want that. I just I just don't want that. I love that she gave me space and room to just kind of be. And um, I called her every week, a few times a week, and I would say, what special edition can I listen to? And, you know, it was really a blessing that she wasn't ready right then because I still needed to listen to these special editions. And I'll share with you some of the special editions. Those are the focused presentations on the Vision for You website that are done by compulsive overeaters that are recovered. I desperately needed to hear recovered voices. I needed to hear what it is to be recovered and that that's not just like this password that you say, you know, to sound really cool. That it really is a state of being. It's a state of mind. And it describes it so clearly in the big book, you know, in several places. Well, one of the special editions I listened to was the very first one in the year 2014 called The Double Whammy by Lori C., a recovered compulsive overeater from Canada. And he laid out very clearly what Dr. Silkworth talks about, this double whammy, that my mind will always take me back to the food, that I can't handle that state of abstinence only because the, the discomfort that I will feel will drive me back to the food. And then I have the other double whammy part, which is the physical allergy. And then in listening to the special edition by Ruth M., which is May 4th, 2014, she so clearly and powerfully states what entire abstinence, according to Dr. Silkworth, means. You know, I thought when I got out of that treatment center with this food plan, I actually thought it was kind of like a punishment um, just to follow this food plan. I never really got that it is life and death, that my mind actually clouds over and that I'm, I, I lose the ability to engage in any possibility of getting recovered when I'm not entirely abstinent. So what I did when I got out of this treatment center is um, I would go to a restaurant and I wouldn't analyze and go over with the server or look on the menu and very carefully inspect what is it that I'm ingesting. I thought because I have, say, a chicken stir fry and there's sugar in there and I don't binge on it, I think it's okay. I'm, I'm not having a problem with that. I didn't realize that, you know, Dr. Silkwood says so clearly that entire abstinence is entire that I will never, ever be able to have in any form. You know, and I thought, I, I don't really need to do that. I'm either just different, I'm not a real compulsive overeater, or my binging isn't as bad as it used to be. So I never really got that it is entire abstinence. And she she puts a really clear presentation. And it's not her words, it's all from the big book, you know. Um, so I listened to that, and I was like, oh, my top of my head was coming off. I thought, I've never heard these things so clearly stated. So I reached out again to this person, 
And she said, you are so willing. And I said, I am so willing. I am so willing. She said, I have a, a time space becoming available where I could take you through the doctor's opinion. Would you be willing for that? And I said, absolutely. You know, I was ready. So we went to the doctor's opinion. And I just want to share with you the experience of having someone that's become awakened as a result of doing these steps. Someone that's like me that is now awakened and recovered, taking me through the big book and helping me understand what each word and phrase and paragraph, what it is saying to me was like nothing I have ever experienced. And I felt this tremendous sense of hope. And that's what we did. We went through the big book line by line. And when it gave me a direction, I followed the direction. And when we got into, I want to say, maybe there was a solution, all of a sudden it occurred to me that I'm not learning to one day be a normal eater where I can have the two dozen chocolate chip cookies. No, this is saying I'll never be able to have them. I think on some level deep down, I was thinking you were going to teach me how to eat like a sane, normal person. And I'll never be a sane, normal person. So I shared that with her, and I'm so glad I did. And she encouraged me to grieve over it, and she told me she felt the same way. I kind of felt like, in a way, I had a bait-and-switch thing happened. It was like I got up to there as a solution, and I thought, oh, my gosh, like you're not teaching me how to eat like a normal person, you know? I, I thought on some level you were. I thought on some level that I would recover emotionally. And that's what I want to start to talk about now. The biggest issue for me has been dealing with life emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. It's just been such an incredibly painful process. It's just been so difficult. I have felt like raw bear, you know, my skin is just so raw to the world, and I get overwhelmed. I don't get how to do this thing called life, how to interact with people. I always say, like, even to respond to a joke would be a major stressful experience for me. Do I laugh? Do I not laugh? Do I look smart? I I just never got it, you know? Plus, I can be so gullible. I always have a hard time telling, when are people kidding me, you know? And it just was so difficult for me. So I would have all this whole separate world going on inside of me that I thought was private. But now I know you all are feeling the same way. You're wanting to scream, how do I do this? You know? And I think on some level, I was trying to commit a slow suicide when I was being such a strong restrictor. And I really think also, you know, and I could be totally wrong, but just in looking back, I was trying to speed up the process of dying, you know, even with that heart surgery. It, I just was so terrified of life. So what's happened to me as a result of going through the steps is now I know it's never been about the alcohol. It's never been about the food. Those things gave me an effect. They filled up that hole that is only God-shaped. So this program promises me an experience. That's it. It's laying before me at my feet an experience. And it's a spiritual experience. That is the only hope for me. You know, that is the only hope for me as a real compulsive overeater to have a spiritual awakening. And, and you know, um, there's some things that I wanted to share that, that helped me. One is Dr. Tebow, one of the doctors that's discussed in the back of the big book in um, one of the other appendixes. And he has several articles that I've been able to Google and pull up online. 
And he talks about submission versus surrender. That was really helpful for me to read that. You know, he talks about the individual. This was talked about in early AA in the 30s and 40s. You know, this was commonplace to present this information, but it, it's not done anymore. Um, he talked about the individual, the individual accepting reality consciously but not unconsciously, that they accept as a practical fact that he can't, at the moment, conquer reality, but lurking in his unconscious is the feeling. There will come a day, one day, which is really no real acceptance. And then there's always a state of tension. So I, I really had to look at that and pray about that and look at how I'm doing the steps. You know, is there still this tension there that one day, one day, you know, that lurking notion and then he talks about when the ability to accept reality functions on the unconscious, there is no battle. There's relaxation. And that's when freedom from strain and conflict, you know, can come in. Um, in We Agnostics, it talks about its elements are simple. Circumstances made him willing to believe. He humbly offered himself to his maker as he knew. So if I have a really clear understanding of step one, a really clear understanding, and you know, that's not done intellectually. It's done, where are my feet going? Like, what am I doing? All the steps are action steps. So I know this is going to sound like I'm, now I'm saying the contradictory of what I just said, but, you know, for me, I had to go through the steps pretty quickly, and I needed to just keep doing them, moving forward. Steps four through nine is really where that spiritual surgery, that transformation takes place. And then I need to go right into step 10 once I make that first approach. All this needs to be done quickly because for me, what I see happening is once we do that fifth step where we're cleaned out, you know, the skin grows back over my eyes, the foam, the film comes back over my eyes and my ears. And that ego, that ego rebuilds itself. And and I start to think, this is just annoying doing this work. Why do I need to do this? I have to remember when I'm in those steps, I'm not yet recovered. So the ego is just there holding on. So I have to keep doing the work. It talks about in our big book that we've had deep and effective spiritual experiences. It needs to be deep and it needs to be effective enough. Because if it's not, I, I will pick up. Because this illness is so huge and the pain of my soul and living in this world, untreated, unrecovered, is so painful. In the um, AA 12 and 12, it says AA's 12 steps are a group of principles, spiritual in our nature, which if practiced as a way of life can expel the obsession to drink and enable the sufferer to become happily and usefully whole. That is what's happened to me today. Um, my goodness, now I'm coming up to like a, a lull. <laughs> um, I know God is guiding me. So let me think of what else I feel led to share on. Um, you know, I want to talk about what it's like being recovered today. The 10 step promises are really, really amazing. So I read to you the bedevilments on page 52. Um, the 10 step promises really or what tell me I'm recovered. There's the uh, wonderful nine-step promises for sure. You know, we love those. Those are all the opposite of the bedevilment. Um, being, feeling useful today is so amazing. So it says here in the ninth step, if we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we'll be amazed before we are halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom 
and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. So there's, there's something I do feel led to share on here, and I'll just touch on it. You know, I had um, a recovered compulsive overeater take me through the big book in OA, and I realized I never had someone do that to me in AA. And I actually needed to go and get a recovered, a truly recovered, not just dry, but a recovered alcoholic take me through the big book. And I just did that recently for alcoholism because I became more aware of my alcoholism now that I'm truly abstinent and recovered for almost almost three years. And um, it took that long, you know, for the alcoholism to come up. And even though I haven't had a drink for 31 years, by God's grace, um, the alcoholism started to come up. And I'm grateful I did get someone armed with the facts about herself, take me through this big book the same way that my OA sponsor did. So I did feel led to share that. The other thing I feel led to share on is I desperately needed a nutritionist, a nutritionist dietitian to work with me, someone who is familiar with working with compulsive overeaters, not someone who's going to say to me, well, you need to learn um, don't be too rigid. You know, you need to learn how to discipline yourself. Take a bite of the brownie and then freeze the rest. No, no, I can't. I need someone that knows what it is to work with someone that is a compulsive overeater and that this malady will kill me. So I did get someone. And there's so many fellows on this line that work with dietitians and nutritionists. And I'm so grateful I did because one of the things that I've dealt with is needing to gain weight. Now I'm at my goal weight, and it's hard for me because I like looking like a heroin-thin person. <laughs> I like looking that thin, you know. Um, that's my comfort zone. But um, I want to get well today on all levels, and it's not about my decision with the food. So it's been really important for me to have this person that I can check in with regularly and let her know um, where I am with my body image stuff, where I am with my weight. You know, the doctors are so happy with me. It's taken me three years since the heart surgery to have finally a strong recovery. Everything, you know, is healing, and I'm getting stronger and stronger and stronger. The other thing is being malnourished for so many years. I was like in a depressed state because there wasn't, the body, the mind can't work that way. So now I have energy. I have happiness. There's serotonin, you know, in my body. There's stability. And I just can't believe how many years, how many years I lived anorexic. Not, I wasn't as severe as an anorexic person, but um, I don't know. Maybe I was. I could still be the body dysmorphia. I mean, the doctors were telling me before the heart surgery, you are way, way too thin. So who knows? See, I can't even gauge it. I have to talk to my nutritionist. I need to do 10 steps on it. And I have other people around me helping me. So I did want to share on the value of always having a nutritionist. 
I'll always need to have a food plan. My sponsor said to me, the food plan needs to have boundaries and parameters. The most important person that needs to understand what my alcoholic foods are and food behaviors is me. Not even so much her. I'm the one that needs to be clean, clear on it and my nutritionist. You know, and, and the thing that this book teaches me when it's done properly is to not be sponsor-reliant and not even to be meeting-reliant. Today, I go to meetings to share the message to meet other newcomers. I don't go because I feel like I'm falling apart and I'm dying. You know, I have that connection with my higher power. That 11th step enlarging my spiritual life is so vital to me. The big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, I believe, is Spirituality 101. I kept trying to do all these advanced spirituality books and practices because I have been hungering for something my whole life. I've been a seeker, and I've tried to do so many different things that have been wonderful. And if the person is not an alcoholic that's untreated or, not a, uh, or is not a compulsive overeater that's untreated, you know, maybe it'll work for them. I need these 12 steps. These 12 steps are amazing. They've launched me, rocketed me into that fourth dimension. So now while doing the 12 steps all along, I still do go into these other books. I have a spiritual teacher that I came across about five years ago that I think saved my life. And I still do the practice, what that teacher teaches me with my um, AA program. But I've got to be taking this message to other real compulsive overeaters, you know, um, and other real alcoholics. And I need to help people be able to find out if they're a real compulsive overeater or are they just a hard eater. The book spends a lot of time talking about that. And I need to be sponsored by people that are real compulsive overeaters because the person that's not, you know, they're going to say just don't eat and go to meetings and life is great. The fellowship is so wonderful and loving and accepting that it, it really can be fun to be in the fellowship. And if they have a food plan, that's it. I need the steps. I need the transformations. So now I want to go into the 10-step promises. And we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. For by this time, sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recoil from it as from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally. And we will find that this has happened automatically. We will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That is the miracle of it. We are not fighting it. Neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we have been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. We are neither cocky nor are we afraid. That is our experience. That is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. The book tells me that the way I keep in fit spiritual condition is by carrying a message to other alcoholics, to other compulsive overeaters. I do really well sitting in like off by myself, you know, on a hilltop journaling my feelings to my higher power and writing out all about the emotional buildup of the day. You know, my recovery is so strong today because of working with others. And when that malady starts to come back to me, I need to get on the phone and call newcomers. Every day I still do call at least three newcomers. And I have something clear in my mind 
that I can leave on their voicemail, you know, so that they're going to get some something that I can leave with them on the voicemail. I need to sound appealing so they want to call me, you know, because it's money in the bank to have newcomers to work with. It's amazing working with newcomers. And the thing is, when we're recovered, you know, that's when I work with others. When I've done all the 12 steps and have experienced the state of being recovered, then I have a message to carry. I don't want to just carry an encouraging message of, it'll get better, just go to meetings. I need to have the solution and be armed with facts about myself. And, you know, I used to think, I won't, oh, I used to be overwhelmed with my sponsor and I would share on the phone. I would hear her. She sounded so knowledgeable about this book. She sounded so confident. And I would think, I will never sound like her. But what happens is when we have that spiritual awakening, we want to carry this with others. Our higher power uses us as a vessel, and it's this power. Really and truly today, being recovered is about power and freedom. It's about power and freedom. The two things I, I just didn't have a clue how to get that. I had no power and no freedom, always, since I was little so much in the bondage of self. I really wanted to be helpful to other people and be nice to other people. I just didn't have a clue because I was so caught up in the pain and agony of being in bondage to myself, you know. So it tells me in the forward to the second edition, it says, this seemed to prove that one alcoholic could affect another as no alcoholic could. It also indicated that strenuous work, one was an one alcoholic with another, it was vital to permanent. I've had to learn what that word strenuous means. It's not just working with one for me. I need to work with many. It doesn't mean I have to sponsor them all, but I really need to be in regular communication with others and doing service work. But you see, when I'm recovered, I'm going to want to do that. If I have to push someone to work with others, push, 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 there's something missing. You know, it talks about in the big book that we could still have an alcoholic mind. And we've done these steps. So that's, that's uh, gosh, it's starting to wind down now. Um, I've been priming the pump, and I'm starting to feel like it's winding down. But um, let's see if there's anything else I feel led to share on. Um, I guess that's it. That's what I've got. So I pass. Thank you so much for being there. Well, thank you very much, Lisa B., for giving so much of yourself today. I'm very grateful for that. Beautiful, beautiful example of the miracles that we talked about in this program every day that happen to us each and every day. We will ask Lisa for her contact information at the conclusion of this meeting, so stay here close by for that sort of information. But for now, are you set, Lisa? Let's open up the lines for Q&A, questions and answers. Who would have a question for Carol today? I'm Carol today. (laughs) Lisa today about what she presented on. Laura G. Sema M. Sema. Anyone else? Leslie M. Leslie M. Press star one. I don't think that I mentioned that if in case you didn't know. Anyone else this morning? Susan R. Susan R. Maureen A. Maureen H. Let's go with that and then we'll catch the other folks in the next round. Thank you so much. So, <clears throat> pardon me. I have Laura G, Sema M, Leslie M, Susan R, and Maureen H. 
Good morning, Laura. Your question, please. Star one, Laura G. Your question for Lisa. Well, in the interest of time, let's go scoot over to see if we can get the next fellow. Sima M, you're next. Am I, I'm, am I being heard? Oh, you, is this Laura? Laura is G. This Laura? Yep, yes. You are now. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm Laura G, a compulsive overeater. Um, I related to so much that you said as, um, okay, this is my question. Could you please give an example of uh, your call when you call to a newcomer and you have to leave a voicemail? Would you please do that? Yes, I'll be happy to. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for your question um, and being there with us. Um, well, I call and I let them know briefly, and so you could probably ask them. Sometimes it probably sounds like a really long voicemail, but I let them know that I want to welcome them and then I remember when I was new and I got a whole bunch of calls. So I let them know they're probably going to get a whole bunch of calls. And um, I share briefly maybe a special edition that was helpful for me. And I try and just give them a little, like, you know, it's on the website. Uh, there might be a little glitch at first in pay, playing it, but there are directions on the home page, and I would love to talk with them. And that's that's what I say, and I just welcome them. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Laura G. Sima M., your question for Lisa. Sima, star one, please. Can I be heard? Yes, Sima, is this you? Okay. Hi, yes. Hi. Um, this is Sima M., Grateful Compulsive Overeater, Living in Recovery. Lisa, uh, it's good to hear you. I haven't heard from you in a while. I know we used to speak. Uh, my question is, um, you mentioned about the issue of alcohol came up and that you felt the need to go through the big book with um an AA sponsor again. Um, the way you had, the way you do it with the, with the OA sponsor, and I just I'm confused as to what you mean by the issue of alcohol came up. Is it that you feel like um, all of a sudden you're not craving food but you're craving alcohol, uh, or what the difference is between going through the steps with uh, for OA than for a you know than for alcohol as an issue because is an alcohol just an alcoholic food, uh, to spare the expression. Um, so anyway, I don't know if I'm clear, but that was what I was curious about. That's so clear, Sima. Thank you very, very much for that question. Um, so I, what started happening for me is, uh, well, first of all, I'll just say, that there is a very powerful experience having someone that shares the same step one experience. So someone that maybe has cocaine addict, having a cocaine addict that's recovered, take them through the book. Um, it really is different. And I thought the same thing as you. In fact, that's really why I started going to AA meetings in the beginning 32 years ago because I didn't like that first OA meeting and I had been praying. So my brother um, said, why don't you come to an AA meeting with me? Now, I didn't say this to my brother, but I thought secretly, oh, maybe I can apply the AA meeting to what's happening to me with the food. 
And that's what I really tried to do all along. But as I started hearing the people in the A meeting talk, I was like, wow, I think I am an alcoholic, but just a very high bottom. But I could see that um, alcohol is an issue for me. So through God's grace, I haven't had a drink, but you know, it was never really hard for me to have any recovery with alcohol because I had been in the food all along. And when I came to a vision for you, you know, I used to always introduce myself and I would say food is my true drug of no choice. So two, two and a half years go by. I'm recovered in OA, sponsoring people. Now my husband who is not an alcoholic or not an addict every now and then has wine or beer and it's never bothered me. I just know that I can't kiss him after he drinks it. And even the smell just never bothered me. Well, one day I went to the hairdressers, and in his refrigerator, he had a bottle of wine. And I opened up the refrigerator to get my water. And the smell of it just went right up my nose. And I was in such obsession. And I thought, what on earth? Because I thought, well, I'm recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body with the food. Surely that will apply to the alcohol. And I called a fellow, a few co-fellows on the line that are also in AA. And I happened to get someone that is truly armed with the facts about herself as an alcoholic and as a compulsive overeater. And she validated you know, we need to have the same step one experience when you have someone take, this was just her experience. Now, I know people have gotten recovered in OA that have had a recovered alcoholic take them through, and they have, like, phenomenal recoveries. So this was just, like, my own little experience. So it doesn't mean it's, like, written in law, but this is just my own experience. And I think because I never really had the privilege and the gift, because it is a privilege and a gift to go through this incredible volume, starting with the title page, um, and reading it as an alcoholic. I never did that. Going through the forwards, identifying in with Bill. I was in tears when I was reading Bill's story. And I read Bill's story so many times with taking people through this big book in OA and going through it with my OA sponsor. But when my AA sponsor took me through and I met her through A Vision for You, I was in tears. I was like, oh, my gosh, I am just as hopeless and desperate as Bill with the alcohol. And it was so amazing. And that's what I needed. It's what I needed so desperately. And now, oh, and this is the other big message I wanted to share with you. I have not been carrying this message as a 12-step in the AA rooms before. And that's what this woman that I called that day when I had the mental obsession, she said to me, Lisa, you're not doing the 12-step. You're not carrying the message. And we learn in this big book that if I don't carry this message, you know, I'm not working this whole program. I'm thinking that it doesn't apply to me. But if I truly get that I am hopeless, doomed, and desperate, I will do everything, everything this book tells me to do. I can't just pick and choose. And I was picking and choosing in the AA program. So guess what? I got truly awakened going through the work as an alcoholic. And now I carry the message into the AA rooms. And I have an AA sponsee. And it's amazing. It's amazing. So I hope that that helps you. I passed. And I, I'm sorry if I offended anyone because it's an OA meeting. But I really did feel led to just touch on the AA thing. I passed. Thank you for the question, Simmer, and the answer. Uh, Leslie M., you're next. And then Susan R., you'll come after Leslie. Good morning. This is Leslie M. Melanie, thank you for your service. And Lisa, thank you so much for your service and uh, and your support through all this time. I just have one question. I just wanted to know what, do, how exactly do you, uh, once you know that something is bothering you and that you need to do a 10-step on it, do you do writing about it or is it just, 
does it is it just you know a mental thing for you now to before you call someone else what kind of preparation do you have to do for that oh thank you leslie thank you so much um that's a good question well you know the moment i'm disturbed and the thing is now that i'm recovered i feel peace and serenity so the moment any disturbance comes in i can tell i am disturbed um so i stop and i i look at what is it like okay what am i feeling i'm feeling fearful i'm feeling resentful a lot of times i mean i'm going to be honest i go oh darn it now i need to do a 10 step because it's not always convenient to do a 10 step sometimes i just want to keep going through life you know but it tells us on page 84 the very clear directions and i found it helpful in the very beginning to write the directions out on an index card and just have that you know it says that um, we're to continue to watch for selfishness dishonesty resentment and fear when these crop up we ask god at once so i do i say god you know i'm i'm angry Please save me from being angry. Show me how I can be helpful to this person. Please remove the anger. And then I do discuss it with someone. I do it exactly like it says here. So if I have the opportune moment, I text someone and I will share with them what the resentment was and what character defects I see. And that's what my sponsor taught me. You know, she said the most important thing about a 10-step is that you see what your character defects are. I found that is how steps six and seven you know, really get addressed is in doing these 10 steps, doing the 11, doing the 12. So I share it with someone and then I do resolutely turn my thought to someone I can help. So for me, I do find it really helpful to reach out to a newcomer, especially if it's a a very difficult 10 step. I need to reach out to a newcomer and be helpful, but I can't always do that. So I always have a list in my mind of people to pray for, people that have just had surgery, people that are struggling, people that are hurting. Um, You know, I'll pray for my enemies um, with sincerity. And I was taught the prayer is not so important, but it's the sincerity of my heart. And I do have a list of people. And often I'll pray for two or three or four people. But I feel that really reaching out to another and not sharing, oh, I'm, you know, I just did a 10-step, so I need to be of service. I don't say that. But I really try to have a list, and that's why having a big community of people that I've reached out to help, because then I usually have people at my fingertips, or I'll text them um, a special edition that was really helpful to me and let them know I'm thinking of them, that I'd, you know, I'd love to talk to them. Or um, so, But if I can't reach someone right away on the phone because of my schedule or just I can't reach anybody, I write it down and I do make a note to share it with someone before I go to bed that night. So I hope that that, that helps. I pass. Thank you, Leslie, for your question. Susan R., you're next, and then Maureen will follow Susan. Good morning, Susan. Your question for Lisa. Th- thank you. Can I be heard? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, first off, you mentioned uh, one of the special editions, the double whammy that Lori did. And then I missed the other one that you mentioned. I think someone named Ruth mm-hmm. that you had recommended. Uh, what was the title of that one so I could find yeah. it? That's May 4, 2014, and it's called What Do We Mean by Entire Abstinence? And then there's another really good one on abstinence that I love. Um, it's December 15 of 2013, and that's an abstinence panel on the doctor's opinion done by three recovered compulsive overeaters. Okay. And I'd like to also ask, uh, you mentioned submission. 
versus surrender and an appendix number for uh, the sure. doctor. Sure, Yeah, so, okay, mm-hmm. so that um, submission versus surrender is not in the big book, but the author of that article is, and he is on page in the fourth edition of the big book, page 569, so it's appendix three, the medical view on AA, and it's Dr. Harry M. Tebow, which is T-I-E-B-O-U-T. He's a psychiatrist. He worked okay. for Phil. And the article was on surrender versus submission. Okay. One last question, um, which is the one I really want to hear about also. Spiritual teacher, you mentioned that you have a spiritual teacher. Um, what? Yes. What um, if you want to call me, I'd be happy to talk to you about that. You know, we can talk oh, about that okay. offline. Thank you. But I'll be happy to share that. And thank you for your questions. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Susan R. Maureen H. Your question, please, for, Les- for Lisa. Hi, can I be heard? Yes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Hi, I'm Maureen H. Compulsive um, reader in South Florida. Um, my question is, you you talked about having years of white knuckle abstinence, and then talked about um, later really needing to like define your boundaries around the food and getting really clear about that. And I was hoping you could share some surprising, you know, boundaries around the food that you discovered after your abstinence, um, that initial period, you know, like what was surprising for you despite the use of being in program? Thank you. Thank you. That's such a great question. Um, well, the white knuckle abstinence, I was gifted that abstinence when I went to the treatment center. And, um, I never really had a step one experience all those years ago in the treatment center. And I found for me, going through the doctor's opinion, having someone in whom the problem has been solved really helped me understand what this book is explaining to me all about step one. And that um, step one is a painful experience. It really is. It's it's a crappy feeling, you know. And um, I had the crappy feeling because I couldn't stop binging but I never really had a step one experience. I, I didn't really get what it, what step one means. So the other part of step one is talking about my life as unmanageable. Well, I learned that, that that's an abstinence. It's this, it's this spiritual malady, you know, that's ruling my life, that I, I'm an untreated, unrecovered person, and the bedevilments are just all over me, and I'm crapping all over everyone and myself, and making a mess of everything. So um, when I came to OA, A Vision for You, and I met someone in whom the problem had been solved, and we went through what does step one really mean by using the book um, and the guidelines of this book. Um, When I got a food plan and I started working with this nutritionist, I started realizing that I would get a high by restricting food. That's an effect. Um, that, That it's still not surrender. I also realized that I overeat too. So volume is a big issue. That's also something I needed to see. I also had to more clearly understand what Dr. Silkworth, who, you know, Dr. Silkworth is amazing. He, he really helped all of us by helping Bill understand clearly, um, you know, what, what the problem is and about the allergy the allergy, that that means in any form, in any form, that that's, that's 
I have to have entire abstinence. And, you know, that's something I really jumped on to 110% because I lived in that middle-of-the-road solution as an untreated compulsive overeater, you know, for a long, long, long time. I don't know. I mean, probably since, I don't even know, but just a very long time, over a decade for sure, maybe even almost two decades. And I saw that the horrible thing about this illness is I can go on and live to be 100 years old and not die as a compulsive overeater, but just never get recovered and just be dead inside, like they say with tombstones in your eyes. So I decided that I was going to take everything literally in this book. You know how sometimes you'll read books and you really, you're not supposed to take it so literally. This book is meant to be taken literally, like actually. Like when we read the steps on the wall, we need to write the word actually next to each step, you know, because that is what I, I'm taking that from an AA speaker. I can't take any credit for that, that cute remark. But that, the steps on the wall is the short form, that the long form of the steps is actually in this book. I need to actually, actually do everything in this book. And when Dr. Silkworth, he talks about in any form, you know, that I can never safely do that, I needed to really take that to the nth degree. And I do today. I do today. Even though there are things um, that I could probably eat and it not trigger me, it's still an alcoholic food. And the book talks about how sometimes, you know, we'll be able to do it and other times not. And I don't want to play Russian roulette, putting a gun and a bullet in the gun and then pulling the trigger and maybe it'll go off this time and maybe not. I've talked to people that have had abstinence that way and, and they were able to do it for a long time. And then one day, they literally could not stop eating. And they were out there for like 10, 15 years. So I just didn't want to do that. Um, so there's a lot of new awarenesses I have about my food plan. And even today, certain things that I don't necessarily, I haven't ever binged. I haven't broken my abstinence. But things that I haven't binged on that were abstinent but became way too important to me. Like, I can't go through the day unless I have that thing. I've had to surrender that. And I do 10 steps on that with other fellows, and I work with my nutritionist on it. But I know I kind of went all around it. I hope I answered the question. I passed. Thank you, Maureen, for your question. Who else would like to ask a question of Lisa about her presentation today? Rowena Kay? Rowena, hi, thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else for, with a question? Press star one if I didn't tell you before. Uh, Vinny T. Hi, Vinny. Gotcha. Jody EQ. Jody EQ. Jody EQ. Hi, good morning. EQ. Hi, good morning. Linda D. This will probably be Linda D. Just want to let folks know this will probably be our last invitation for questions and consideration of time. Mary G. Mary G. Mary G. All minds clear? All minds clear? Eleanor S. Oh, Eleanor F. Okay, that'll be our last one probably. We'll see. Okay. So Rowena K., Vinny T., Jody E. Linda D., Mary G., and Eleanor F. And I heard one more person. Jenny S. Jenny S. Okay, we'll see how time goes, Jenny. Thanks so much for coming in.
Okay, let's get going. Rowena, your question, please, for Lisa. Um, hi, Lisa. Um, yeah, I'm just asking because I've been listening to <coughs> a vision for you for about three weeks. Um, I actually have, but I've been in OA for um, about nine years, and I have a sponsor, a big book sponsor. But um, my food's been, up until I was listening to Vision for You, my food had been really messy. Um, I didn't have black and white abstinence, and these Vision for You meetings have really helped me um, to, to get black and white abstinence. But what I want to ask you is whether you could shed some light on whether I should get a, a sponsor from a Vision for You, um, just because I, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, my sponsor's brilliant. You know, she really cares and stuff. Um, but I just don't feel like I've had the psychic change, you know. So if you could sort of speak to that, please. Well, thank you. I'm glad that you asked that. That's a great, great question. I know it will help a lot of lot of people because that's a common thing. Well, when I look at the 12 steps, I look at 12 steps. You know, it says having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried carry this message so I was taught that when I'm looking for someone and by the way a vision for you is just an OA meeting and it happens to be a big book meeting and the reason it's such a fulfilling rich meeting is because it's focused on the message of depth and weight it's focused only on the big book it's not really other people's opinions it's just so precisely big book focused so when I came on this line you know I thought the same thing as you I want to get someone that is active in this meeting. This is my home group, you know, a vision for you. But I do go to face-to-face meetings here too where I live. So it was suggested that I ask the person, have you done all the 12 steps all the while entirely abstinent? Are you truly neutral with food as step 10 promises us? Have you had that spiritual awakening? Now, if the person says, you know, you don't need to be asking that question. That's too controlling or you don't need to know that. I don't want that person but if they say yes when people ask me that I am saying to them I'm so glad you're asking me that (laughs) because those are great questions I want someone that has a message to carry not just encouragement the solution it's the solution and you know when I worked with my sponsor it wasn't her opinions it was just this message that she worked precisely in this big book so um, I have found it very beneficial to have a sponsor that worked the steps precisely the big book way. And it's not to say that a vision for you is the only place, you know, that is doing that. Um, And I just want to briefly share the value of going into meetings that are not recovered now that I'm recovered and carrying the message. You know, for a long time, people come to meetings and all they get is encouragement. And it's not about that. It's really about getting recovered. We can be happy, joyous, and free, you know. And um, it, it's an amazing way to live. It's not like all the problems go away, but I have a solution today. I'm on a path, and I could take other people on that path or try and, you know, walk with them, walk with them. But I hope that that answers you. Thank you, Rowena, for your question. Vinny T., you're next. Your question, please. Star one, Vinny T. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Hey, good morning. Okay, thank you very much. Um, I was wondering about, you were talking about, um, you know, having confidence in your, your instincts or judgments or, you know, dealing with other people and not analyzing, you know, just going with, you know, what you feel. And uh, I'm I'm just, you know, like, 
don't trust my instincts at all. How do you know when you've, you know, recovered to the point where, where you feel comfortable um, working with other people and knowing that you're not going to harm them with your opinions or, or whatever? Is that clear? Yes. Well, I apologize if I said that, you know, I totally, I'm not like Miss misconfidence. Um, I just do what I know that I need to do, which is work with others. And I always, I always want to be working with others. I always need to be working with others. So I've shared on the line before that in working with others, to me, it's like learning to play the violin in public. It's, it's awkward and it's hard. And that's why I'm grateful for steps 10 and 11. I, I pray every day, God, show me how I can help the next still suffering alcoholic, the next compulsive overeater. And I really believe that that prayer does get answered, but it also tells me that my own house needs to be in order. And if my house is in order, I, I will be able to be useful. But I pray always for guides. I don't rely just on myself. But I don't always hear God, so sometimes it's just a matter of doing the next right thing, you know, talking to the next newcomer and just sharing with them what I would want someone to share with me or what was shared with me. And I try to do like what my sponsor did with me, which was if there was something she didn't have an answer to, she would tell me. She would say, I don't have experience with that. I can only share with you what I have experience with. And um, not try to be a life coach and just keep it in the book strictly the book only the book and it helps certainly having someone that gets that they are desperate and out of ideas it really helps when we have someone like that to work with but they're not always right there you know in that place so I need to just continue to disturb them that is my role you know in working with others it tells me that if we've disturbed them that that that's what my job is and the way I disturb them is by sharing um, the problem with this illness, which is it's chronic, it's progressive, it's fatal, it never goes away. I will never be able to live in the present moment and enjoy life and be free and have any sort of power with my higher power, you know, um, unless I do this work. But that's assuming I'm a real compulsive overeater. There's a lot of people that come in here that are not real compulsive overeaters. They're just hard eaters. So um, guidance with a higher power, talking with other fellows that have walked on before me that have been doing this longer. And it's all it's all God um, God inspired and through the fellowship of the Spirit. It's never just me. I don't want to be it all about me. I want it less me. That's my hope and prayer. It's less me, more God. When I when it becomes more me, it, it's not good. It's not a good thing. So I pass. Thank you, Vinny for much. your question. For your question, Jody E Q. Your question, please, and then Linda, you'll come after Jody. Linda D. Good morning. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you for your service, and thank you, Lisa. Lisa, I haven't heard your previous special edition, and I want to listen to it now, but I'm wondering um, how it was for you when you uh, got your vision sponsor um, gaining the weight that you needed to gain and how you how you did that and how you have your sponsees address their the food plans that they need to develop do you recommend that they get a nutritionist or what did you do and what do you have your sponsees do in that regard oh thank you jody eq it's nice to hear your voice thank you for your question um well the weight gain has been a really slow process 
and it it's been slow um and then all of a sudden it's like whammo <laughs> it's all here now so it's i've had to do a lot of 10 steps on it and i've really had to reach out on many occasions to my nutritionist um so but i'm i'm feeling better and better and better physically you know and getting stronger my muscles my ligaments and everything is just working properly um, so I'm really grateful for that. And the mood, it's so nice to have an up mood. I'm realizing I've been malnourished for so many years um, that it, it really feels good. And I think also that is the benefit of being recovered too, just feeling good inside, feeling really good. Having a clean slate, you know, I feel right and aligned with my higher power. I feel right with the world around me from completing my amends and continuing to see new amends um, that come up just always, just like it says, you know, in step 10, we continue as we clean up the past. I really live in that. So it is such a, a good life. It's such a good life, you know, and to be useful to others, it, it creates such joy. So um, I don't want to mess it up and try and take the reins back. I do just keep adhering to the food plan, talking to my nutritionist, doing what the other people around me that are guiding me, um, other medical people suggest and encourage and when I work with others you know I really don't want to be the food police I do not want to be the food police at all I'm I my hope and prayer is that as we work together that they get a clear understanding of what their step one experience is it's their path only they can walk it only they can walk it I can't do anything for them you know they have to want to do this and I hear Harlan share that it's not for people who want it, it's for people who do it. Oh, now there's a big echo. Um, I can really hear myself, but that's okay. I'll just ignore it. Um, so, but it's for people who really, really do it. Um, and I, I try and just share the way it was shared to me, which is the big book message to the sponsee. And I let them know that, look, I use and abuse food. I could have been a nutritionist. I have done every form of eating style and exercise style you can imagine. That I could actually probably, you know, counsel people on it. But I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. So I need someone to take over. And I say that that's my recommendation for them to put it in someone else's hand. Let someone else determine how much weight they need to lose. Let someone else determine how much weight they need to gain and when they go on maintenance. I don't have the ability to do that, you know. And if they're a real compulsive overeater like I am, I'm assuming they don't either. But I don't really want to be the police and the monitor. I just share what worked for me. And if they want what I have, you know, they'll do what I've done. So, um, but I don't like to really get into it in great detail. But I really work with them on helping them to see what their alcoholic foods are their alcoholic food behaviors, and that it's about entire abstinence. And the special editions do so much of that work for me. And you guys with the meeting, you know, listening to you. So I pass. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Jody. Thank you for your question. Linda D., you're next, and then Mary will come after you. Hi, this is Linda D. from North Carolina. Can I be heard? Mm-hmm. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, Melanie, and thank you, Lisa B., um, I'm in Florida, uh, Northport, Florida today, and this is the first meeting I've been back on for a few weeks. Um, I know it's not a sharing time, but I've been dealing with um, illness and death of some family members. So I fell off the meetings for a while, and so I don't think it's a coincidence that I called in this morning and Lisa B. is the speaker. So I'm very, very grateful to hear you. 
this morning, your your sweet voice, um, and Melanie. So, as I've mentioned, my question involves um, what happens when you when you veer off course with meetings. Um, I have found two times during this time that I'm not calling people that I ought to be calling people, and I heard you, Lisa, mention working at 10 step when you want to eat. Um, and I guess I realized that I've always kind of wondered, well, what do I do? Just call people and say, I want to eat. Um, you know, I have two years abstinence, uh, but I've had, had the mental obsession. And, um, then the other time is that, um, when something feels really, really personal, uh, I have uh tribe, so to speak, but there's been times when it's been off times and I, I, I can use, uh, I could speak to someone maybe that I don't know, but it feels like it's too personal uh, or that I'm going to cry. So I'm interested in just hearing a little bit of your experience about if you've had the experience of not knowing what to say, you know, forgetting to call or, or not or avoiding calling and times where it felt too personal and times where it was just about eating. Um, and uh, if you have any experience to share yeah. on that, Lisa, I'd love I, to do. Hear it. I do. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. You it's so nice much. to hear you. Nice to hear you. Thank you. Um, I have um, only I have really, really wanted, to eat wanted to eat since I've been recovered one time. And that, I mean, you know, every now and then I'll think, oh, but most of the time I don't. I really don't. Um, and that was because I was ingesting a substance that I had to surrender, and that was caffeine. Um, it just it just made me want to eat more of my abstinent food. Like if I had my six-ounce apple, I wanted a 12-ounce apple. Um, so I, I had to really look at that and surrender all caffeine, and then those cravings went away. So when that craving is coming up, it's either because the physical allergy is being triggered or something is there. Maybe I'm abstinent. I'm thinking I'm abstinent, but I'm not really abstinent. Maybe I went to a restaurant and there was an accidental exposure or maybe some alcoholic food behavior comes in, like volume or restricting. You know, but still, those are all just not keeping my abstinence. Um, but the other thing is my mind. There's something going on that is not being dealt with, and I'm uncomfortable, and that place of discomfort will always take me back to the food. And like one of our co-fellows shares, eating will be a step up. And that's how I'm wired. That's how I'm wired. So the way the 12 steps is set up is being all those steps, 10, 11, and 12, every day. Like my life depends on it with the same urgency as I did when I was in step one, two, three, you know, all those other steps. It, it's life and death for me. When I'm disturbed and I have pushed it aside, that to me, that's like a, a time bomb. It really, I mean, it could just be anything. I, I always joke with my sponsees, I do 10 steps all the time. I do a 10 step if there's a big semi in front of me and I'm annoyed at the semi. I mean, I do a 10 step all the time. If I hit my foot, you know, I'll stop. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I do 10 steps all the time. Any resentment, anything that is aggravating me, anything that is disturbing me, and um, that's the thing. It's that buildup. Something was let to fall through the crack and it wasn't addressed and then it just keeps building and building and building and then before you know it 
And I had to do a lot of 10 steps on that caffeine. That was really hard. But um, now, I, you know, I feel really great. I hope that that answers you. But I just want you to know that I understand what you're describing and that soul pain. It's that feeling of being alone and cut off from my higher power. That's when I start to flounder and feel like I need something to make me feel better on the outside. I need that, that God thing fixed. And the only way to do that is through the steps. And I need to go back. I need to go back sometimes to the beginning. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Linda D., for your question. Mary G., you're next with your question, please. And then Eleanor will come after you, Mary. Star one. Mary G., are you still there? Just an interview. Can you hear me now? I sure can. Hey, there you are. Okay, sorry. (laughs) Uh, I'm Mary G. from St. Louis. Um, I um, uh, wanted to thank Lisa for her talk. Um, I've been in program before, but... um, I never really ask questions before, so I'm asking questions today because I always tried to just kind of like do what was suggested and never really understood. Um, So um, a few things were, um, can you talk about um, uh, what a hard eater is and can you be a compulsive overeater with a very high bottom and about your volume eating? Thank you. Okay. Well, you know, um, in the big book, on we, in We Agnostics, it has a great um, question to ask. It's two questions, and it's page 42. So, oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry, that's the wrong page. Page 44 in We Agnostics, it says, if when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, or if when drinking, you have little control over the amount you take, you are probably alcoholic. Uh, It says, if that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. So there are people that have a physical allergy but don't have the mental obsession. They'll be okay with a good food plan and group support, okay, and they don't need to do the steps. I actually get sicker and worse when I don't have the steps because the food, in a sense, is... uh, it's kind of helping me hang on and survive, you know, and cope. Um, so that's that's my answer for that. It is a self-diagnosis disease, um, and I found it really helpful having someone take me through this work. Now, I knew right off the bat that I'm a real compulsive overeater, although it shows up on my body. You know, I didn't have the weight, but I it, that weight is there waiting for me. I really believe that that weight is there waiting for me because it gets worse. It gets progressively worse as I get older. It gets so much worse. Um, so that's, that's that answer. Um, and then the volume eating, oh, well, I weigh and measure at home. When I go out to eat, I don't weigh and measure. But if I go out, if I go on vacation for an extended period of time where I will be eating out, Regularly, I will need to weigh and measure. But when I go out to eat, you know, just, you know, once a week or twice a week, I don't. I'm okay. I, I know exactly what I need to get. And there are 
just contained little, you know, portions. But I did go to a, a restaurant once where it was this massive platter of all this stuff mixed together, and it was so massive. It looked like two or three meals in one. Um, that triggered me, and I thought, oh, my gosh. And my husband got up to go to the bathroom, and I said a prayer from a higher power to help me, and immediately the server came up to me, and out of my mouth, I found myself saying, it wasn't me. It was God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. Can I get a to-go to go container? And I actually put it in the to-go container, but then I threw it out when I got home because I just I can't eat big, massive things like that. I do better when it's just like um, you know, a piece of chicken, some vegetables, a salad, or a baked potato, that kind of stuff. So um, I hope that that answers your question. Yes, thank oh, you. Also, I have one more thing. There's a great special edition called What is a Real Compulsive Overeater? And I think that is December 20th of 2015. That's a really helpful special edition. It really goes into more information. Thank you, Mary G., for your question. Thanks so much. Eleanor F., your question, please. And then, Jenny, I believe we'll have time for your question, too. So, star one, Eleanor. Well, good morning, Melanie. Good morning, Lisa. I'm going to try to ask this question. Um, first of all, thank you, Melanie. It's so good to hear your voice. Um, I guess, Lisa, the first thing I wanted to know is, is your name L-I-S-A or is it spelled a different way? Oh, thank you for asking that because I meant to say that. It's L-E-S-A. It's pronounced Lisa, Uh but it's L-E-S-A and then B is in boys, the last initial. Right. Okay. Um, So, um, on the first step, I find that my emotions get... um, pretty ping-pongy, I guess, but mostly um, if I truly try or get in touch with them, I uh, I feel sort of like I feel right now, and it's very sad, and um, teary, obviously, and I can't go through my day feeling this way because um, I live with my son and it would, um, you know, really disturb him. Um, And I can't, so I try to manage my emotions and just sort of stay away from them. And that doesn't work really well either because it will come out and um, overeating uh, fruit or anything, right, that's on my abstinent list. And then I get even more upset. So um, I I don't know what the solution is because I don't know. I don't think I know how to completely surrender. So um, I pass. Well, thank you. I can hear the pain in your voice. Um... You know, I was praying when you were sharing and I was saying, God, please direct me because I don't know what to say other than, um, you know, it's so accessible today to reach out to others and we can listen to a vision for you all through the day. We can listen to special editions. We can call our fellows on the line. Sometimes we need outside help. 
Um, there's open AA meetings we can go to and sit in that room if we need to and cry. Um, there's OA meetings we can go to face-to-face. But I, I don't know. For some reason, I just kind of feel like there's this little thing saying hands off. I don't really have a specific recommendation or answer or even experience. I know what it feels like to feel like you're sinking in a hole, you're not going to get out, and you're just going to die from the emotional pain. I know what that feels like. And um, finding things that help me and soothe me, you know, I listen to them on my ears. And just, you know, knowing that I want to get recovered and that the food has to stay down and I need to do this work and that I may not feel better for a while until I get sometimes into the ninth and tenth step. And there's a prayer that I heard a fellow on this line that shared that she prayed, God help me learn to be comfortable with, help me learn to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. You know, I used to think it's going to kill me, the pain, the emotion. I used to think that I would get panic attacks. Um, So I understand that. And uh, that was many, many years ago, you know. um, But I had to get outside help too, you know, counseling and stuff. But with that, I passed. Thank you, Eleanor F., for your question. Ginny S., your question, please, and you'll be the last one to question today. Thank you. and thank you, Lisa B., so much for for your story. And um, I've been trying to figure out how to put this into a question. Um, I really appreciated how you shared about the connection between the alcohol and the food. And you talked about being sober for many years and then going in the hospital and getting abstinent and then going through the big book with a vision person. And then going back to the big book again with a recovering alcoholic. And so my question is, the second time you went back through the big book, did you do it like they talk about on vision, fast, like your hair is on fire, or did you spend a lot of time writing? Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, great question. Well, both times with OA and the AA, I went fast, not a lot of writing, not all these like little assignments, you know, just listening to the special editions for vision. But um, when I was in the OA, but the AA, we went through fast, just reading line by line, word by word, and uh, sharing, sharing on it and doing the work as it told me to do it, doing all the steps. I passed. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. And thanks to everyone with the questions today. And Lisa, for giving so much with your presentation and being so thorough with your answers through your experience with the miracles here at A Vision for you with the answer of these questions. Thank you so much. And so we'll go towards our closing here this morning, but remind you that we'll get Lisa's contact information at the conclusion of this meeting. The share ID for today's Sunday special edition, which is May 20th, 2018, is 11437, 11,000. 437. And we will close today like we always do our Sunday special editions from the big book on page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. See to it in your morning meditation. Excuse me, I've got myself all mixed up here. My apologies. May I start over again? Something happened. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. 
God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.